Up and Adam in the morning. Live here. Teal in studio, one of my absolute favorite guests, Elon Funky Bilu, defense attorney, San Luis Obispo County. What is up, my man? Well, I'm trying to get by, trying to survive in this uh, <laughs> incredible life of ours. I don't think I've ever seen you dressed so loungy and informal and cool. Like, this is just how you chill. Listen, when I don't have to go to court, <laughs> I lounge 24 7. I love this because normally I see you like the sharp suit and you got the jacket. And I don't the, wear too many suits these days. I think. No, no, no. I it's usually just a shirt and a sweater vest or just oh, a there shirt, you go. Okay, a shirt and a tie. There you, I, go. you know, I'll wear suits. Well, you're sharp. You're a sharp dresser. Well, thank you, but uh, I'll wear suits when I go to trial. But when I don't go to trial, it's usually just a shirt and a tie. How important for what you do is how sharp you are? How much? I mean, obviously your charisma is unmatched, but like the the. The the expensive suit, the the flashiness, and not flashiness in a, in a pejorative way, but like just being sharp. Adam, I don't wear expensive suits. No, I, 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 if I can't get them on sale, I don't buy them. Really? <laughs> Hell, <laughs> we live in San Luis Obispo. We don't live in goddamn downtown L.A. <laughs> Give me a break. Are, are we in Are we in the market district in San Francisco? No, Hell you're no. Right. This is San Luis Obispo, home of the ranches. Right. I love it. Hey, well, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on so many things. One, uh, the Kristen Smart case. We just finally got a sentencing, this case that, you know, folks have been waiting a quarter century to see adjudicated. It's finally been adjudicated. And what's interesting is that it feels like if you are, like, you know, probing the, the real crime aspect and the legalese of it all, we might not be done. And you've talked to some um, really smart minds. I have as well gotten opinions, and I'm curious of yours, that there might be a, an appeal on this, and it actually might have some legs, which makes, to me, is like crazy, but explain where that's coming from. Well, there's no question in my mind there will be an appeal, and, and I, I believe, and, and we have to put this in context, and, and when I say context, I mean statistical context. Understanding that most appeals are affirmed by far, the, the vast majority of appeals are affirmed, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Affirmed meaning the conviction is affirmed. Correct. It's a healthy majority of cases are affirmed on appeal. Okay. Now, with that being said, the statistics are against Mr. Flores, against a successful appeal, because he's statistically he'll probably lose. With that being said, I believe that he's going to be in the minority, and I believe his case will be reversed. Wow, that's based, pretty heavy. Based on my understanding of some of the evidentiary issues in the case. Now, and that's, why, why? Why? Like on what? I believe and it's, it's supported by the fact that, that Ruben was acquitted in his, in his portion of the case. I believe that the evidence of the um, Southern California sex assaults, I believe that evidence was wrongfully admitted. So the prosecution says, hey, look, we have all this creepy stuff he did in L.A. to women, stuff he filmed, stuff we have video proof of. Uh, we want to introduce this to prove our point that he must have done the same thing to Kristen. Even though we don't have a body, that's what we're going to bet on. The jury, as do I, believed it. They convicted him. And you're saying the judge shouldn't have let that in? No, I think, I think uh, my understanding of the law is I, I can see why the judge let it in. I just disagree with her that it was erroneous uh, letting it in. I, I, I understand, but I disagree. And in order to allow the evidence of the sexual assaults to come in, especially being after the fact, there has to be some parallel conduct 
that the court can articulate is, con- is, is shown in the lead case, in, in the Kristen Smart case. I don't see that parallel conduct that justifies allowing the jury to hear about the Southern California sexual assault cases in the Kristen Smart case. I, I, he was creepy and pervy and that kind of whole thing? Well, how do we know he was creepy and pervy? We only know he was creepy and pervy because of the sexual assaults in Southern California. Yeah, He's, but also the people that watched him interact with Kristen and knew him at those, you know, at Cal Poly. I mean, I guess it's, at some point it's like, and I know you are a fan of the letter of the law. It's why you do what you do. It's why you, you know, the, the law affords people a, a defense and innocent until proven guilty. And you are, I'm thankful we have people like you to, to champion that. But I feel like probably the majority of us who sit in just like the normal world, we go, Oh, he was doing that in LA. Oh, we all, we think he's the one who did this to Kristen Smart. Well, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Put him away. Right. But I guess that you're saying that's not, that's, that's not the way to do it. Th- that argument actually supports my argument why uh, the appeal should be reversed because that evidence is so powerful. So overwhelming, especially when you multiply it. I think the, the judge allowed, what, two or three yeah. sexual assaults? Right. Um, the, the number of the sexual assaults just increases the prejudicial impact of that evidence beyond. I mean, there's no way in my mind that when, when I heard that the judge allowed that evidence to come in, there's no way the 12 tried and true would ever acquit him based on that evidence. There's no way you're gonna, there's no way that's gonna happen. It's, it's, it's overwhelmingly prejudicial. And when the prejudicial effect outweighs the, 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 the slight relevance that it may have to show that he's pervy and he probably be creepy or whatever, yeah. Creepy that same time. Yeah. Then it shouldn't be allowed in. In your experience, when you see letters of the law and little kind of, you know, idiosyncratic technicalities that, you know, you look, you know this far better than I do, so I'll, I'll defer and Elon's Adam, right. But it, it, it's not a question. This is not a technicality. This goes to the heart of a fair trial. Yeah. A judge is the, is the gatekeeper of a fair trial, and the judge is the referee. So when one side wants to introduce evidence, the judge has to make sure that it's not overly prejudicial, that it's fair to both sides. And when the judge abdicates that referee, that gatekeeper function, the defendant does not receive a fair trial. That's not a technicality. That, that goes good to point. the heart of, of what we do in our judicial system. Damn, you're good at this, Elon. <laughs> Man, I am certainly outmatched here. <laughs> oh, um, give me a break. In your, in your history, though, in your career, have you seen this a lot where, like, let's say something will come around on appeal, and even though the judge might practically, look, we know, even if he thinks he did it, he's going to subscribe to the letter of the law, literally give what he believes is a murder a new trial because, look, it's the law. Uh... I would say that it's, um, I don't know if I'd use the word common, but it's close to common. I mean, uh, and every time it happens, it reinforces my faith in, in, in the judiciary. A judge is, is, is required to interpret the law fairly and objectively, not according to his own sense of justice, but according to the law. While we may think personally that we disagree with a verdict or with an, with a law, we still have to go beyond that and apply the law. We, we must always do that. If, if we don't, we, we, we become an anarchy. 
Elon Funky Bealy was up and at him in the morning. I want to ask you about this case. The man accused of hitting the couple on Sacramento here, right by the station. It was an interesting case because here's an accident hit this bridge. They determined, even when it was in the paper that day, like they, alcohol and drugs had nothing to do with it, police said. And then we see a couple is missing. We see a dog. Somebody reports a dog. And here we are. We finally, uh, with the help of a dispatcher, and it, you're like scratching your head going, how is this like... How is this going on the way it is? They finally put it together that this couple must have been hit by this man. So they go back to the guy, and now your client, you're representing him, is being charged with vehicular manslaughter? Correct. Okay, what can you tell me about this case? Because it's hard for me to believe someone hits someone and doesn't know it, especially a woman, a man of a different size, and a dog of an even smaller stature. And then how do the cops, and of course you're not speaking for the cops, but how how does no one know? Uh, just by, you know, running your flashlight underneath, you don't see any, you know, blood stuff. How did this go down the way it is? And what is your defense going to be? Well, I can't, obviously, with a pending case, I can't articulate a defense at, at this point. The DA would love that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I would be a uh, side for ineffective assistance of counsel. I'm too young to lose my license. <laughs> so, um, but let me, let me say a couple of things. Number one, not only the intensity of the accident, the, the way his car spun around, the way it hit the curb and the bridge, I think it's completely reasonable that he, that he didn't think at the end of the day, at the end of the evening, that, that he didn't hit anybody. And more instructive on this point is the police, two police arrived that from SLOPD, and they concluded, both of them concluded independently that there was no evidence of any pedestrians being hit. So it wasn't just my client. It was it was two trained veteran police officers from the San Luis Obispo Police Department who um, who concluded and and they didn't give them any field sobriety tests. They didn't see any evidence of alcohol abuse or drug abuse or anything like that. They in fact they waited till uh, his wife came because they felt he he may have needed some support to get back home. So well, support why because of he the, was very emotional. Oh sure. I mean he'd just been in a serious accident. His his wife had just been in a serious accident a couple of months before. I know you're not going to say your defense, but I imagine now that we have no bearing to say he knew he hit anyone, whether he did or didn't. I'm not going to speculate on that. I'll tell you, I definitely have my guesses. You can't prove. How, how can you prove otherwise? The cops already that night agreed with what you could contend in your defense, and I don't see how this cannot become an issue for the police, especially as more evidence is forced to come out through discovery, and I imagine what happened, he hits them, and he doesn't know, or he hits them, he does know, doesn't say anything, but the cops don't catch it. Well, listen, in all fairness to SLOPD, uh, and I respect the uh, San Luis Obispo Police Department, I respect any police officer, they're my neighbors, and have been for... 30 plus years. Uh, yeah, your practice is right there. Right there. We're, we're neighbors. So I respect them not only because they're my neighbors, but because I, over the years I've, I've seen the way they work and they're not perfect. And, and we, we talked about that earlier. None of us are perfect. Sure. I love the slow police. I just wonder, you know, what happened here? The initial two officers who responded did not see any evidence of pedestrians being hit. No question about that. That's conclusive. But the SLOPD, when they continued the investigations, and, and, and I know they received uh, some criticism for why it was taking so long, but when you get into the reports and you review them, I don't think they took too long. I think they, they took a very deliberate approach to making sure that they followed up from their, their initial oversights. 
a little slow at the front end of the investigation, but I respect what they did later on. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I can't discuss the specific evidence, but I'm not going to be critical of the San Luis Obispo Police Department and the way they conducted the investigation in this case. That's interesting. Eval Funky Bilu is up and at him in the morning. Defense attorney, he's representing uh, the man accused of hitting that couple, their dog. Uh, they weren't found until days later. The dog, I think, a day later. Just the whole case is just odd and weird. So uh, getting more down to it, I have more questions for Elon Funky Bilu. He is up and at him in the morning. We'll do it next. You're up and at him in the morning. It's the Crush 92.5. Adam Montiel, defense attorney Elon Funky Bilu, is in studio. He's representing the man accused of gross vehicular manslaughter against the couple who was walking their dog, hit the bridge, we didn't hear that a couple was hit until days later after a dispatcher put it together. Elon, have you received everything like that you are no. looking for? So you're still looking for stuff. I'm waiting for the most couple of things that I think are critical. One is the MATE, M-A-I-T, the CHP MATE report, which is uh, always a very important piece of evidence. What is that, reconstruction of the accident? It's a, it's a, it's a, not only a reconstruction of the evidence, but it's... it's, it's um, it, it, it's 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 about a hundred pages typically, and they not only do they, do they reconstruct the accident, they 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 thoroughly go over the vehicle to make sure there was nothing with the brakes, nothing with the wheels, oh, nothing wow. with the trans. I mean, they go into every aspect of the accident, the scene, the vehicle, uh, the, the 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 physics of it. So you get some hard numbers back. We get, get some see. hard numbers, and they respond to every homicide on the California highway. The May team, and they're highly respected. They're uh, you have to qualify to become a member of the May team. It's not easy. It's almost okay. So you're waiting for that, and what else? And I'm waiting for the uh, for the reports of the two officers who first responded, which I think are is, is the next most critical piece of evidence. That I'm, I mean, this is a report that was made literally the night it happened. You would think. Why? I, I, I can't. It's a mystery. Do you have other disco- Do you have other important discovery? I, I have other important discovery. Yeah, I, I you, do. You, are you Are you kind of like raising your eyebrows? Why you haven't got this yet? Yeah, and and my, when my eyebrows go up, they they're noticeable because I'm bald. So, <laughs> so it looks like I have hair again. When that's this how this case is only giving us more questions. So I don't know. It seems like whether your client knew or not, it would be. I can only imagine your defense is going to lead with he didn't, and there's nothing well, anyone it, else can say about that. It, you know, I have to tell you something. He's charged with vehicle manslaughter. The issue whether he knew or not is almost secondary. The primary issue is, is was he was he grossly negligent when he hit the people. Got it. There's no requirement under the law that he knew that he hit someone. There's no requirement. The important test is was he grossly negligent and how's that defined so what is the prosecution are they going to say he was texting are they going to say he was no we have pretty good evidence that he wasn't that he was not texting okay part of the evidence what are they going to need to paint to prove i believe gross negligence i believe they're going to say that he was speeding beyond um double what the uh speed limit was for that curve how do you defend that Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> this is such an interesting case, Elon. Man, this is a fascinating one. You're right. Some of it's because we waited, you know, a long time and didn't quite understand why. But again, when, you know, a police agency, law enforcement's investigating, you want to, you know, show deference to the time and the energy they're putting towards it. And then I guess we just have to wait as the public. But this one has seemingly only given us more questions than answers. It's, um, it's why I love what I do. I, I love mysteries. And, What's the and background with your defendant or your your client? What's he's he's a local kid, very young, uh, happily married. He's a very religious young man. He's steady employment. His wife steady employment. They're just I, I like them both. They're really sweet, 
good. Lives in the area? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. This case. You've been busy about a lot of different cases you're juggling? I'm, I'm as busy now as, as, as I've ever been. What's your craziest case you got going while you're looking up that in your calendar? What's the craziest case you got going on right now? I got a, you know, I, I got a couple of homicides, but... Um, are they out of here or are they in this area? Napomo. Napomo. Wow. Well, you're keeping busy. You love Funky Bilo. It's always so much fun to talk to you. I loved your uh, input. I just, you know, I always learn a lot from you. You're so much fun to have in here. Thank and you. I'm always just like combing my mind before I let you go. Like, what were some other cases I got to ask him about? But I, I think I'm, I, I'm old enough to know you never volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for being up and Adam in the morning, Elon. You're welcome. Stay well. Up and Adam in the morning. With Adam on heel. Weekday mornings, 6 to 10 a.m. The Crush 92.5, the perfect blend.